They've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome to Bible with the Barbers on this Tuesday, March 3rd. 2020. What does time fly when you're having a good time? I think, yeah, it does. <laughs> my brother, as my younger brother used to say, it used to fly when I was having a good time. Now it just flies. <laughs> <laughs> That's cute. As we get older, it seems to fly faster. So what are we going to be talking about so we can tease our listeners? I pray. What's this topic? We want to talk about the Our Father today. And we're not going to take it fast. We're going to take it in slow motion. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot there. A lot there. It's, 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 you know, we need time for silence, time for prayer. Mm-hmm. And when we take that time, God can speak to us in ways that we can't, we couldn't have imagined. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we do, the, and it's interesting, the reason I, the Our Father, because today's gospel is exactly. the Our Father. Exactly. Jesus, his, his apostles um, uh, ask him how to pray. And so uh, Jesus is teaching them how to pray. But before that, I just want to go through, uh, read the prophet Isaiah. And then I, there was a question on the app mm-hmm. uh, that I wanted to address that ties into. Good. So I want to try and do that here in the first section mm-hmm. that ties into the Our Father. And um, then we'll go into the Our Father for the second section. Sounds good. So the prophet Isaiah, and we're in Lent. We're preparing to enter into the passion of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, not for the sake of suffering, Jesus Christ endured the cross, heedless of its shame, in view of the glory. Okay, so never lose view of the glory. We want to enter into the suffering in order to free us from sin, free us from our selfishness and our own attachment to our own will, and to become more like Christ. So what does God say to us today through the prophet Isaiah? Thus says the Lord, and this is Isaiah 55, verses 10 and 11. Just as from the heavens the rain and the snow come down and do not return there till they have watered the earth, making it fertile and fruitful, giving seed to the one who sows and bread to the one who eats, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but shall do my will, achieving the end for which I sent it. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And what's interesting about this is the beginning of this we might miss something here. St. Thomas Aquinas once wrote, God writes the world the way men write books. Mm-hmm. So everything in this world was made by God to reveal something about himself. And so he said, just as you see, you know, from the heavens, the rain comes down and the snow and they do not return again until they have watered the earth, making it fertile and fruitful giving seed to the one who sows and bread to the one who eats. So, okay, so God made the world. He made the rain and the snow to water the ground so that the seeds would grow. And that's to teach us something about God because his word goes forth from his mouth. And we can think, well, his word, okay, so something he said. Well, it's interesting. We find in the Gospel of John, the prologue of the Gospel of John, which is it's very helpful to read that frequently. In the beginning was the word And the word was with God and the word was God. Mm -hmm. And we learn in Catholic theology that God spoke one word of perfect knowledge. And that word is his son. From all eternity, God is father because he has a son. (laughs) And his son is the word he speaks. And his word goes forth from his mouth and it will not return to him void. 
It shall do my will, achieving the end for which I sent it. And the it is actually a he. It is the word of God. Now, in eternity, God has no gender. All right. God is not male or female. God is pure spirit. Just like the angels are not male or female. They have no body. It's, it's when God made man, he made man in his image and he made them male and female, not because God is male and female, because he gave to man certain attributes that are present in God. And he gave to femininity, to, you know, to masculinity and femininity so that each of them have certain attributes of God and the two together are complementary mm-hmm. and they complete each other. Yeah. It's not about um, a power struggle. No. It's not about I'm greater than you are. I'm better than you are. I'm stronger than you are. God made us each with different roles to play. And each of us serve each other, and that's where our true happiness comes. Exactly. I mentioned that, Mary, because I think the world, I, I've been doing a lot of counseling for uh, calls for people who have marriage issues, and I think a lot of it would be solved if they understand that their sanctification mm-hmm. is in serving their husband or their wife, whatever side they're on, right. and that they're serving God when they do that. Yeah. And when I've told people that, they said, nobody ever told me that. Well, we're telling you now, you know, better late than never. My mother used to say, Mm -hmm. you know, and and yes, God, this is so beautiful. Mm -hmm. This, you know, Jesus Christ said that he said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. Mm -hmm. And so his word, God's word goes forth and his word is his son. And that's why for for us, Catholic Christians, you know, the Bible is not the first word of God. Yes, the Bible is God's word written in the words of men, but. The person, the second person of the Blessed Trinity, the Word of God, God's Son, only begotten Son from all eternity, who is God, along with the Father, equal to the Father. You know, he, he's just as much divine as the Father is. Mm-hmm. He is the Word of God. Right. And this is why, and it was interesting, you know, this brings us to the, the question that came in from the app listener this morning. She's, an app listener wrote in and said, the priest at our parish said, you can call God or father or mother, whatever you want to call him. Whatever you, do you notice that? You want to, whatever you want to call him? Him. <laughs> um, no, no, actually, we can't call God father or mother. God made human fatherhood and motherhood, yes. But God is the one from whom all fatherhood takes its name in heaven and on earth. God is father from all eternity because from all eternity he begets a son. God is truly father in the fullest sense. No human man, no man can ever be as, as fully a father as God is. Because to be a father means to be able to generate independently. Only God generated independently. Only God can speak the word and have it happen. And, and his word is his son. So from all eternity, he generates his son without the aid of anyone. When God you know, and, and the problem is this, when we say we can call God father or mother, we have just recreated God in our image. Does anyone out there see that? That when we start saying that God is father, mother, well, wait a minute, God is God. He's a pure spirit. He doesn't have a body, but he has revealed himself as father. And um, Thomas Aquinas teaches us something about truth. What is truth? How do we know? You nowadays people say you have your truth, I have my truth, you know. Hey, that's not true for me. It's, you don't understand my life because you haven't lived my life. And it's true, you have a lot of experiences I haven't had. That doesn't mean there's not an objective truth that stands outside of us that we need to conform to. 
Thomas Aquinas put it this way. Truth is the adequation of the mind to reality. Okay? So if you have an idea, you need to take that idea and measure it against reality. And if it doesn't measure up, it's not true. For instance, to say, well, there's no such thing as gravity. Well, let's measure it against reality. Um, There is gravity. I don't see it, but I see its effects. There's no such thing as air. I don't believe in air. Well, um, we don't see the air, but we know it by its effects. Okay, just just so. So when, when our mind becomes adapted to the reality that exists outside of us, when it's able to say, ah, yes, I have an idea in my mind, and it conforms to the reality that exists independent of me. And you see, God is real. He's real, and not just one person. He's three persons. He's a community of love and life from all eternity, And that's why God made the the human family, is to image him, to be a community of love and life in the world. But God is Father, and he is revealed as Father. And in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraphs 268, I believe, through 286, Mm -hmm. it talks about God, it is, 268, and I think it goes all the way to 286. Well, 276, 276. So it's... Almost ten paragraphs there, and it talks about God, the Almighty. It's, it it professed the, the profession of faith, the creed. And what do we say in the beginning of the creed? I believe in God, the Father Almighty. Okay, that's those are the first words of the creed. I believe in God, the Father. He's a Father, and you no, know, we don't call him Mother, not because we're denigrating motherhood. Human motherhood. <laughs> was created by God and it is good and it is holy and it is beautiful. By the way, human fatherhood is too. And human fatherhood takes its name from God, our father in heaven. All right. All fatherhood takes its name from God. That's what the scriptures tell us. But repeatedly, the the scriptures reveal God as father and God reveals himself as father. And when Jesus Christ taught us to pray, which we're going to get into today in today's gospel He said, when you pray, say, our Father. And Christ was not bound by the social condition of his time. He didn't didn't do what was politically correct, and he didn't do what was only comfortable to people around him. He was doing something totally new. He was God incarnate. It was something that men hadn't even dreamed of. Hmm. And, And so, yeah, God is Father. And whose fatherhood and power shed light on one another. So God's fatherhood and his power go together, right? God reveals his fatherly omnipotence by the way he takes care of our needs, by the filial adoption that he gives us. And it says, I will be a father to you and you will be a son and daughter to me. And that's a quote from 2 Corinthians 6.18, which where Paul is quoting from the Old Testament. Okay, so his and he he displays his infinite mercy toward us. All right. So we're going to talk more about God's fatherhood and what it means. But no, it's not proper to call God mother. He is father. And that doesn't denigrate motherhood. But today we're going to focus on God as father. And we'll talk about that more after the break. And Mary, one more thing. The little flower has a great story about the Our Father and her life. You won't want to miss that in the next segment. You're listening to The Bible with the Barbers. 
Help the Helpless, a Minnesota St. Paul nonprofit organization chaired by Father of Tear and volunteers, is humbly asking you for your kind support to help the poor and the handicapped children in India and Ecuador. Through financial support from the help of the helpless benefactors, the children are provided with clothing, food, education, shelter, and the teachings of the Catholic Church. The mission is to help children thrive and become self-sufficient young adults leading productive lives. We also provide aid to poor families in Ecuador with food baskets, medicines, medical assistance, and help with funeral needs for the deceased. The work in India is done by Father Antonio's organization, St. Mary's. In Ecuador, the work is being done by the Servant Sisters of the Home of Mother. You can call us at 877-762-8857. To learn more, please visit our website, www.helpthehelpless.org. God bless you. Sirach 11.24 says, Do not say, I am self-sufficient. What harm can come to me now? According to St. Catherine of Siena, presumption is like vermin burrowing at the root of the tree of our soul. If we do not uproot it with great care and humility, it will eventually destroy the soul. May God keep us from all presumption of mind and heart and realize that we depend on Him for everything. or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites the Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow! That's 80%. Realestateforlife.org 877-LIFE-US-1 Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Well, welcome back. And what we'll do here today, the gospel for today, this is Tuesday, March 3rd. It's the Tuesday of the first week of Lent. Mm -hmm. And it's, the gospel is from Matthew 6, 7 through 15. Jesus said to his disciples, In praying, do not babble like the pagans who think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. Your father knows what you need before you ask him. This is how you are to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. If you forgive men their transgressions, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive men, neither will your Father forgive you your transgressions. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So Jesus says we're not supposed to babble on because our Father knows what we need before we ask. He doesn't say parent. He doesn't use a, an, you know, a generic word. He says father. He calls God father. Now, 
what does it mean? And and what is the, the Our Father is the model of our prayer of all prayer. Mm-hmm. And in that prayer, it teaches us how we're supposed to pray and what are the very first things we're supposed to ask God for. Mm-hmm. So there are seven petitions there. Yep. We're supposed to ask God that his name be hallowed, mm-hmm. that his kingdom would come, mm-hmm. that his will be done. Did he give us our daily bread, which, by the way, in the Greek, super substantial bread. Right, right. It is a reference, direct reference to the Eucharist. And he will forgive us our sins. How is he going to forgive us? As we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And when, by the way, that evil is a specific, it's the evil one. It's deliver us from our enemy, the devil, Satan. So we want to look today at the beginning of the Our Father, Mm -hmm. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And what does this mean? And and what can we learn from the saints? And and Terry told you before the break that... um, That's right. We have a little story here from Trez of Lezu. Oh, you want a lot here. It's great. So um, I'm actually using the Opus Sanctorum Angelorum newsletters beginning in Advent of 1998. It's great. There was a series written yep. by Father William Wagner, and it, it goes through the Our Father. And this is why I'm saying the Our Father mm-hmm. in slow motion, mm-hmm. because I, I don't want to go through this fast. No. I want us all to be able to stop. Um, Teresa of Avila had a story, a true story. There was an old nun in the convent where Teresa of Avila was, and, and Teresa, Teresa was the mm-hmm. superior. And the old nun came to her and she said, Mother, I can't pray anymore. Mm-hmm. And Teresa said, well, what do you mean? And she said, I say, Our Father and and I'm I can't say anymore. Hmm. I, I all I can say is our Father. And you know, Teresa of Avila I think wrote a whole book. It, it's not huge, but it's it's a whole book on the Our Father. So when you contemplate God's Word, and this is why we need to stop the noise in our lives, so that we will contemplate His Word. Then we go deeper and deeper into it. And what was happening with this old nun is she would say, "Our Father." And she would be caught up into ecstasy and into union with God and just rejoice in his fatherhood and in who God is in and of himself. And so God is our father in heaven. He created us in his infinite love. He made us out of love. He didn't have to. In order to lead us into his eternal life and his blessedness, he wants to share his glory with us. Mm -hmm. God is not stingy. He wants to share his glory with us. And he has loved us so much that he gave his only son. How do we know God is a father? Because his son became man and revealed to us that God is father. And he gave his only son so that we might not perish, but have eternal life. John three sixteen. Tim Tebow has it tattooed on his arm. You know, <laughs> God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him might not perish, but have eternal life. So how could we not love him? How could we not want to praise him? Well, one day, St. Therese of Lezou was, she was working, she was doing her work, and, and the sisters were, you know, she was at her, her workplace, and her sister, <clears throat> she had a couple of sisters, that no, she actually had three of them, three yeah. of her sisters were in the convent with her, and one of them was her superior, and, and one of her sisters came, and she noticed that Trez was busy sewing, but obviously immersed in contemplation, and her sister said, what are you thinking about? And Therese said, I'm pondering the Our Father, she replied. It is such delight to call God our Father. And tears came into her eyes, tears of joy and delight and gratitude. And I don't know if you've ever experienced that. I remember one time I was in the hospital, I'd had surgery, and I was 
I was 19 years old and I was reading a book called, um, uh, oh, I can't remember the name of the book. It's about, about Ter- Marie Therese Quavado, very holy young Spanish girl who died of uh, tuberculosis meningitis. And I'm reading about this young woman and it was so beautiful. I was crying and the nurse was like, well, why are you crying? And I just said, it's just so beautiful. <laughs> it's so beautiful. So I understand. I don't know if you ever had that experience, but that that's what Therese of Lezou, she's thinking our father and she's just moved to tears with this beauty of who God is and, and who he is as our father. And of course, Trez had a very beautiful relationship with her father. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are those out there, and this is what, this, what I talked about in the first section where we talked about this priest saying we could call God father or mother. Well, it turns out the priest has a father wound, so he can relate to God better as a mother. Well, there's a problem. It's not that we want to relate to God as we see him. We need to relate to God as who he is. And Scott Hahn had this difficulty when he was in high school. Actually, he was working with um, a group and they were going to go into the inner city and they were going to teach the people about God, the children, the, the teenagers about God. And the leader of the group, their, their adult leader said, well, we can't tell these kids that God is father because their vision of fatherhood is so shattered that they, they don't know what a father is. So we need to just, you know, try and dance around that one, you know, not go, go there. And Scott argued with the man for an hour. Now, Scott was in high school at the time, but he was like, no, he had the insight and the foresight to know, no, we can't dance around the idea of God as father. We need to restore the notion of fatherhood to those who have lost it. So like this priest in this parish, he needs to be restored to understand what it means, what a true father is. And a matter of fact, years later, Scott would write a book called A Father Keeps His Promises and A Father Who Keeps His Promises. And he's talking about God, but he uses human examples mm-hmm. about fathers who have kept their promise to their children despite all odds. And the first example he gives is where there was an earthquake in a, in a what is this, Armenia? Armenia, or? correct. And um, the, uh, the, well, the school was shattered was- and under, under rubble. And this one man, he ran to the school, to the place where his son's classroom should be. And he started digging in the rubble. And people started making fun of him. And, and, and then some people helped. And for a while they helped. But he kept digging and digging. And after, you know, after hours of digging, 12 hours, people were like, this is it's worthless. There's no point in doing this. And, and they started making fun of him. And he said, look, you can make fun of me or you can help me. But my son is here. And I promised my son, I promised him that if anything ever happened, I would be there for him. I am going to dig my son out of here. Amen. He dug for 36 hours. And as he got to the 36 hours and there were still people watching him, they started hearing moans and groans and they were all thinking nobody's alive in there. They're all dead. And all of a sudden, as he gets after 36 hours and, and enough of the rubble has been released to let some fresh air in, they're hearing moans and groans and they're like, what? And the man starts pulling children out. He starts pulling children out and they pull. And finally he gets everybody out that's alive and he pulls them all out. And when he gets them all out and they're standing there, his son turned to his classmates. And what did he say? Didn't I tell you my father wouldn't forget us? Wow. Didn't I promise you he would be there and he would come and save us? And that little boy, his hope in his father's promise kept them alive. Beautiful story. Because that's what keeps you alive in a situation like that. Mary, that story can be told over and over again. I want to just throw something into the mix on the Our Father, not from Father William Wagner, who's we love (laughs) <laughs> what he wrote. But I want to let Bishop Sheen into the conversation. 
This is a new book called Lord, Teach Us to Pray. Oh, beautiful. And he has a whole section on the Our Father, but I'm only going to give you one meditation. <laughs> and we'll get back to Father William. Father William wouldn't mind. No, he won't mind. <laughs> it's on regard, regarding the first petition of the Our Father that our Lord taught us was the prayer of a priestly intercession. Wow. Our Father who art in heaven, the first word from the cross was an it was a intercessory prayer of the perfect priest. Father, forgive them. Got they it. Know not what they do. Exactly. Wow. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Well said. Now the priest, whence all priesthood is derived, once asked us to look up to the Father who is in heaven. Now he begs, he he, he begs that same Father to blot out the sin of those who crucify him and to forgive them. Wow. Think about this. For they know not what they do. Wow. He was finding an excuse for sins. He was telling his father that we crucified him only because of our ignorance. If we knew what we were doing, we would never have denied the father in heaven. Salvation is possible only because of our ignorance of how good God the Father is to send his only begotten Son into the world, that we might have life in his name. Check this out. When our enemies crucify us, we say, they should have known better. When we crucify him, he said, forgive them, for they know not what they do. We love those who love us and honor those who flatter us. <laughs> he loved those who hated him and forgave even the hands that drove the nails. Wow. He, he loves not only the lovable as we do, he also loves the hateful which we are. That is why there is hope for us. Our Father who art in heaven, forgive us, for we know not what we do. What a beautiful meditation. I know, I'm telling you this. And, and, and to tie it, to, to, to <laughs> you recognize what he did there. Yes. To realize Jesus teaches us how to pray our Father. And then on the cross, what is, as Bishop Sheen said, his first word is what? Father, forgive them. So again, he, he, he ties it together, the reality, and this is, this is what contemplation leads to. When you spend time with the Lord, you get these insights, and you're able to pass them on to others. And yeah, only love creates. Love alone creates. God is love. Hatred will not create. Our resentment, our bitterness, our self-pity doesn't create. Demanding that everybody apologize to me, even if they've done me wrong, and granted they have, it's like that. We did Jesus wrong. And he said, Father, forgive them. Mm-hmm. And it's true. I don't, we say, you know, if somebody hurts us, well, they know what they're doing. How could they do that to me? And it's like, well, that's not what Jesus said. He said, Father, forgive them. So this attitude that's beautiful and, and just, and that's, by the way, that's one of the ways we hollow God's name in us mm-hmm. is to imitate God, to be like him and to be willing to say, I forgive those who have injured me. I hope this is helping your Lent to fall deeper in love with Jesus Christ and his bride, the church. We'll be right back with more on the Our Father that Jesus taught us to pray.
We finally did it. We have a Catholic Mental Health Conference on April 25th, 2020, here at the Sacred Heart Chapel with Dr. Louis Sandoval. He's going to be speaking on the basics of mental illness versus what we consider normal. Number one, he's going to go on the basics of mental illness versus what we consider normal. Second hour, depression, anxiety versus oppression and obsession. The third hour, bipolar disorders. Oh my gosh, infestation and possession. He's going to talk on mental health with the spiritual aspect. Number four, talk will be on drug use. Altered mental status versus demonic influence. I want to hear that talk. I hope you do too. Go to virginmostpowerfulradio.org or call us at 877-526-2151. The date is April 25th, 2020. Be there by calling 877-526-2151. God bless you. This is Terry Barber. I want to thank you for supporting Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And here's an easy way to support us by going to smile.amazon.com and type in Catholic Resource Center or Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And when you log in your Amazon account and you purchase products, a portion of it will go right back in supporting Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And it doesn't cost you a dime. I want to thank you ahead of time because that supports us year-round. May God bless you and your family. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites The Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. This is Jesse Romero. You're listening to Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Welcome back. And Jesse, thank you for introducing us here. So hallowed be thy name. How is God's name hallowed? Mm. Well, we hollow his name not by causing something in him. It doesn't add anything to God. It doesn't. But by our delight and approbation of his goodness and holiness. So just by acknowledging his goodness and his holiness, we hollow his name. And we recognize and treat his name with reverence. Mm -hmm. God's name is holy. Amen. It's not a curse word. It's holy. Holy is the Lord our God. Hence, in adoration, this invocation is sometimes understood as praise and thanksgiving. And you can look at Psalm 1, excuse me, Psalm 11, verse 9, and the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verse 49. Jesus taught us to present this as our highest petition to the Father. It characterizes our filial relationship, our sonship. You know, we are sons in the Son. So this is the highest petition. Father, hallowed be thy name. And we're to, um, the relationship we are supposed to have with God. We're called to live a life of union with God. You know, we, we think about this. Turn off the noise and think about this. God is calling us to live a life of union with him. 
not just, you know, it's not just like, well, God is in his heaven and all is right, all is right with the world. And, you know, if I need something, I'll call on him. No, he wants us to live a life of union with him. He wants us to be in union with him every moment of every day. And he wants us to act like his son, Jesus. And that's why he gave us the Holy Spirit and why Jesus did what he did. Well, he was on this earth and established the sacraments in the church so that we could do that. Okay. So what greater hope can we have then? than entering into this intimate union and holy union with God. The holiness of God is inaccessible. It's the inaccessible center of his eternal mystery, okay? His holiness. But he can let us in on it to some extent. And that's, you can look at the catechism, paragraph 2809. Asking the Father that his name be made holy, draws us into the plan of his loving kindness for the fullness of time, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ, that we might be holy and blameless before him in love. Look at Ephesians 1, 9 and chapter 4 and also the Catechism 2807. So God is calling us into this holiness, which is his, that he shares with us. So the name of God is holy not merely as a description, okay? This isn't just a description, but holy is his name, Blessed Mother says in the Magnificat, Luke one forty nine. It is commiserate with his being, which is love. And you can, you know, God is love, right? The first letter of John, chapter four, nine. Okay, so the holiness is, it's part of his essence, is his holiness. Mm-hmm. That's, and this surpasses all knowledge, according to Ephesians 3, 9. We couldn't know this if God hadn't revealed it to us. Right. And this is what I mean by the adequation of our mind to reality. God has revealed himself. We need to read the scriptures carefully and see what it is he's revealed about himself and not just say, well, I have my idea of God. You know, sometimes in life we get a misconstrued idea of God, like this priest who called God mother right. because he has a father wound. Well, no, his 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 vision of fatherhood needs to be restored so that he can see God as father. Because if we don't know God, who he is in himself, then, then we're creating God in another image and he's not, it's not the true God. Oh, you're well said. Mary, as you continue on this, I want to jump in when you're ready because Fulton Sheen has another insight on hallowed be thy name that I think would just add to what father William's saying here. Excellent. Mm -hmm. Excellent. So, um, Father William goes on here to say, such holiness, such yep. love cannot be communicated to us simply as a word. There you go. All right. But must be revealed to us in the salvific deeds of Christ, mm. in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge from Colossians 2, 3. So it is through Jesus Christ that everything is revealed, right? We didn't know God was even a father until the son came. That's right. So what is what is uh, Bishop Sheen well, here, here it comes about hallowed be thy name. I, just, I get so excited because his insights are very beautiful. He says <laughs> this, God's name is hallowed by the recognition of his power and glory. Amen. The thief recognized God's power beautiful. despite his powerlessness yes. and God's glory despite his defeat. 
Wow. Oh, that sentence right there just got me. Yeah, yeah, do you see that? The thief is dying on the cross next to a man who is crucified, which means he's cursed and everybody hates him. And he says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And it's like, oh my gosh. He acknowledged him as Lord. He acknowledges that he's all powerful and that he's God and that he can save him. Yeah. Wow. It is. And now Bishop Sheen says, picture the two scenes. Mary, check this out. As this second word is being spoken. I mean, he's painting a picture here. An opposite side of Zion, there were men hanging on trees. On one side of the hill, Judas was hanging from a tree. Oh, my gosh. On the opposite side hung our Lord between two thieves. Oh, my heavens. I knew that you'd be moved by this. Wow. Note the difference in the attitude of Judas and the thief on the right. Both were thieves. Yes. But there was this difference. Judas thought... God's glory was purely external and manifested by earthly pomp and circumstances. Hence, when he saw our Lord go down in defeat, he sold him for 30 pieces of silver. The thief on the left of our Lord was like Judas. He too felt that the only power worth having was the power of saving him from pain. Mm. Hence, he cried in agony, Save thyself and us. Mm. This is right from Luke chapter 23, 39. Mm. In other words, do something external. (laughs) (laughs) But the thief on the right, moved by his pain-racked head toward our Lord, saw him divested of every robe of royalty and denuded on every badge of kingship. And yet he perceived the gold beneath the dust. Yes. And the kingdom through a cloud and power to save a soul beneath the weakness of a drained body. Wow. I know. Lord, remember me when thou shalt come into thy kingdom. Amen. Luke 23. Now I'll finish with this and then we'll get right back. But I, I, I just love this. Our blessed Savior was so pleased to find his name hallowed amen, amid the blasphemy yeah. and his blessing recognized amidst the curses he granted the humble prayer of a thief what did he do amen i say to thee this day shall be with me in paradise that's awesome i know it's it's beautiful and that's i mean what does it mean this is what the hallowing of god's name is and and, and do we recognize in the midst of suffering Mm -hmm. how many times do we act? Now, remember in the beginning, both thieves were making fun of Jesus and mm-hmm. they were both. And, but the one on the left persisted. And he yeah. said, look, save yourself and us too. And that was, wasn't that what the crowd was saying? If you're the Christ, come down from that cross. Right. And Bishop Sheen points out, what, what are we asking for? We're asking for a Christ without a cross. Exactly. That's not hallowing God's name because that wasn't God's plan. Jesus Christ didn't come to remove human suffering. He came to fill it with his presence. So he participates in human suffering. Mm. He has a real body. He really has a human nature. Powerful. He really feels the pain. Funny, Terry Terry got a nail right here in his hand this week. He <laughs> put his hand on a nail. He had to go get a tetanus shot. But it, yeah. I mean, the pain, it went up his arm and it was debilitating his hand. He yeah. couldn't move his hand. It was it was, he was nauseous. He was sick. It was making him weak. And it didn't even go all the way through. I mean, he wasn't nailed to a cross. No, but it was just a little, and it was a little nail. Yeah. You know, and it's like, oh, but, but he did. He said, a meditation on the passion of yes. Christ. I mean, Jesus had nails in his, yes. whoa. And yeah, there's lots of nerves there. Yeah. And it's, it it's all your fingers. You it, see? <laughs> not only your fingers, it made him nauseous. It yeah. made him weak. Yeah. 
But look what Jesus did. Look what Jesus did. Look what Jesus did. And the deal is when we suffer, instead of complaining like the thief on the left and say, Lord, take take this away from me. Take this away from me. If you're really good, if you really love me, you'll take it all away. No, the thief on the right said, Lord, remember me. Mm. Just remember me. He didn't even ask for a place in Christ's kingdom. He just asked that he be remembered. Yep. But, but the point was he's glorifying God. He acknowledges. First, he calls him Lord. And then he says, when you come into it, he acknowledges him as king. And true. I mean, here he is. He's naked on a cross. Yep. And he looks totally powerless. It looks like total defeat. And yet here is triumph. Here is triumph because one sinner has come back to God. And of course, you, you have other sinners standing at the foot of the cross. You have Mary Magdalene and you have John the Evangelist exactly. and the women. And, and of course, you have his mother who was preserved from sin. That's right. But in view of the merits, the mirror of what he's suffering now. And so we hollow God's name yeah. when we enter into his plan and say yes to his plan. And that's what the thief did. And it's so beautiful because it's, it's so beautiful. That Bishop Sheen, it's true. What is he showing us? This all ties into the cross. We don't try and escape the cross. We want to embrace the cross. And Mary, this is going to take more than just a one show. This is going <laughs> to. I think let me so. just finish up before the break. <laughs> Jesus says the world is full of Judases. Yeah. who think the name of God is hallowed only by worldly pomp and splendor. But they forget that the kingdom of God is an eternal and cometh not by observation. And that the church, which is the mystical body of Christ, manifests her greatest strength in the forgiveness of sins. So what's my message? If you haven't been to confession in a long time, it's Lent. Get to confession. Because yeah. you know what Bishop Sheen said too, Mary? The world asks, how can man forgive sin? It might just as well ask how a man whose kingdom is no wider than a beam of wood could promise the kingdom of heaven to a thief. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? To it's beautiful. On? It's beautiful. And I, I think, you know, it's beautiful. Our, our president, mm-hmm. Donald Trump, on mm-hmm. Ash Wednesday. That's right. He said we need to repent of our he sins did. and we need to turn believe. back to God. And actually, he told a priest, um, he, said, you, the, he said, the priest has more power than I do. I love it. And that's what is that power? The power to forgive sins, and not only the power to forgive sins, but the power to confect the Eucharist. Exactly. That at the, at the word of command of the priest, God comes down out of heaven to be on the altar. Jesus Christ acts in and through the priest to make himself present in his risen, ascended, glorified state. And he takes bread and wine in the hands of the priest and changes it into his own body, blood, soul, and divinity to feed us and to give us the strength to be able to bear our sufferings. And you know what? We have the Easter Tritium Conference coming up. Mary and I will be there with Father Joseph Fessio, who baptized all of our kids, and I think he witnessed our marriage, did he not? He was there. He witnessed our vows. So we'd love to have you come to the spiritual, to that conference. Just go to Virgin Most Powerful Radio under Conferences. It's the... Easter Tridium Conference. We'll be back with much more on the Terry on the Bible with the Barbers. Jesus said to the apostles in Luke chapter 10, whoever listens to you listens to me and whoever rejects you rejects me. According to St. Boniface, In her voyage across the ocean of this world, the church is like a great ship being pounded by the waves of life's different stresses. Our duty is not to abandon ship, but to keep her on course. May our Lord help us remain ever faithful to his church to aid and defend her. 
How does the baby move in your tummy? How does the baby eat? Can the baby hear me? How did the baby get in there? Wow, a pregnancy can sure generate a lot of questions. But what's important is that a baby is a baby inside and out of the womb, not just after birth, but nine months before at conception. That's right, every baby is a miracle. Hello, my name is Marianne Kwaharski. I'm the director of Pro-Life Across America. If you know someone who is pregnant or in need of alternatives or assistance or would like to support the work of Pro-Life Across America, please visit our website at prolifeacrossamerica.org or better yet, simply dial pound 250 on your cell phone and say the keyword pro-life. Pro-Life Across America is non-political and totally educational. A baby's heart is beating 18 days from conception. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites the Terry and Jesse Show, and they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome, welcome to Bible with the Barbers here. We're talking about the Our Father. This is Lent. Have your friends and your family tune in and hear about the Our Father. Oh, We've yeah. had some beautiful meditations here from Bishop Sheen, Lord, Teach Us to Pray. And um, we have the Opus Angelorum. Uh, this is actually the circular letter from back in uh, Advent of 1998. This is not the whole Our Father. This circular letter, which is four <laughs> pages, was just, Father in heaven, hallowed be thy oh, my name. Goodness. So, and there's, there, there, four or five more circular letters here going through the Our Father. So this isn't, we're not going to do this all in one week. No. We, we want to take, we'll, thought we take the, we'll take the time of Lent to really dig deeply into the Our Father. And help, hopefully this will help us all to grow in our prayer life. Amen. And the, what's the purpose of prayer? Prayer is supposed to be a loving conversation with someone who loves us. And the more we know about people, you know, the more better we know a person who's really, really good, the more we love them. And God is the source of all goodness so we want to know him better so that we love him more. So the hallowing of the divine name, which began in Christ, and Father, Jesus said at, in John seventeen four at the Last Supper, he says, Father, I have glorified you on earth. I have accomplished the work you have given me to do. And this hallowing continues in and through the members of his body. And St. Paul affirms that God is manifesting through us the odor of his knowledge in every place. For we are the fragrance of Christ for God. Mm -hmm. Second Corinthians 2.14. The fragrance of Christ for God. Mm -hmm. We're supposed to be an image of Jesus. So that when when God looks at us, he sees his son. Okay. So the saints are, they're the ones who show us the the, the greatest. And by the way, the the sanctity thing, this isn't, this isn't for the option for the few. Mother Teresa told us it's the simple duty of us all. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a matter of just, saying, Lord, you've called me to be a saint. You've called me to live in union with you, sanctity. And so sanctify me and draw me into this relationship. It's about a love relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, dogmas aren't the essence of our faith. They're not unimportant, okay? God revealed the dogmas. But the essence of the faith is love. It is relationship with God himself. 
So, you know, don't let, don't let the learning stand in the way of a relationship of love between yourself and God. So what about this sanctification? What is this? Well, in the Hebrew and the Greek, you have um, the word for consecrate and sanctify is hallow. All right. So the word, the, the, the root word means to set apart. So to consecrate, to sanctify, to hallow something means to set it apart. So God sets us apart for himself. He has set us apart from what? From the world, the flesh, and the devil. We're supposed to live for God and by God, by his grace. And we need to, to be in union with him in order to do that. That's why we're supposed to pray every day, because that prayer is, prayer is supposed to be a loving conversation with someone who loves us. It's, it's how we nurture that love relationship, you know? So um, by the fact that we were ba- that we're called to live in union with God, then we are qualified to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. In Colossians 1, 2, he, it, he, Paul writes about that, mm-hmm. that we've been called to share the lot of the saints in light. In other words, we are all called to get to heaven, Amen. to see God face to face, and to begin on earth even, this transforming union, the saints have called it, where we're no longer, what was it Paul said? I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. That's transforming union, and we're all called to this, okay? Mm-hmm. So first of all, God consecrated Israel. He made a covenant with them. They were a people set apart. They were holy in his sight. And you can look at Deuteronomy 7, verse 6, and Leviticus 19, verse 2. And, but in Christ, there's a new covenant, okay? Not that the old covenant was bad or worthless. It's that it, the old covenant was a foreshadowing. There was going to come a fulfillment. There was going to come a greater fullness. And so in Christ, we have a new covenant. And how do we enter into that covenant? Through baptism, we become a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, that you may declare the wonderful deeds of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. First Peter 2, 9. So we are chosen by God. We are supposed to be a royal priesthood. All of us share in the priestly office of Christ. Now, the ministerial priesthood shares in a different way, but all the lay faithful also share in the priesthood of Christ in in his office of priest. And then we're called to be a holy nation and his own people. And in this way, we're supposed to declare his wonderful deeds. Mary, you said wonderful deeds. I I thought of what Sheen said, and then we'll get right back to Father William, but one of the deeds that we left with Sheen was about the forgiveness of sin. Amen. And this is so powerful. Put your seatbelt on, spiritual seatbelt. The forgiveness of sin is a greater manifestation of the power of God than the creation of the world. Whoa. Smoke that, right? Whoa. Creation makes something out of nothing. Yes. But forgiveness puts something into nothing. Oh, my gosh. Yes, because sin is what? Exactly. Sin is rejection of being. It's a rejection of God and goodness. You got it. So God puts himself back into the nothingness that was created by sin in us. Yeah, he says, wow. but, but the forgiveness that opened paradise is obtained as the thief obtained his, namely, by asking for it. See, go to confession, ask for ask forgiveness, for pardon, ask like all gifts it. of God is conditioned. The latch on the door of divine forgiveness 
is on the inside of our souls. Right. Oh, well said. On our side, not on God's side. Yep. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Revelation 3.20. He knocks. He does not force down the door. No. The, that would destroy human freedom. He knocks to be admitted. We alone have the power to unlatch the door, to invite him in, that he may set up, sit with us and that we with him. Christ's greatest sorrow is to be denied admittance. Wow. Wow. You will not come to me, as John 5, 40 says. His greatest joy is to be welcomed even by sinners. For there is more joy in heaven for one sinner doing penance than for the 99 just who need not penance. That's Luke chapter 15. Final sentence. There is no power as strong as the uplifted hand of an absolving priest. Wow. There is no joy like the return of the prodigal. There is no peace like the peace of sin forgiven. There is no hope like the hope that the thief gives us. Paradise may still be stolen. Amen. Amen. Because the picture, you remember the picture, yeah. the painting that, that yeah. Jesus is standing at the door. And if you look at that painting and he's knocking, there's no latch on the outside of the door. When the artist painted that picture, somebody told him, he said, yeah. you made a mistake. There's no latch on the door. And he said, no, that's not that's a mistake. Right. That was that, this is, I stand at the door and knock. That's what that's a picture of. Yep. And you have to open the door. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what? No, God doesn't forgive our sins if we don't ask. We have to ask. We need to humble ourselves yeah. before the Lord and tell him we need, you know, we want forgiveness. And Bishop Sheen says the only value in saying yes to God is you have the freedom to say no. See, there, there would be, if there was no free will, you can't merit anything. Exactly. Exactly. But God gave us free will. And what are we supposed to do with it? We are supposed to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Peter tells us in his letter, a first letter in chapter two, mm-hmm. verse five. And so how do we sanctify the Lord's name? What is this work of sanctifying his name? Well, in Psalm 116, it tells us, I will lift up the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. And then by the gift of our lives and lips, I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of his people. So the best way to hallow God's name is the worthy celebration of the Eucharist. And by the way, that's one of the reasons why we want to go to frequent and regular confession, because we can't worthily celebrate the Eucharist in the state of moral sin. That's right. And even, even when we have attachment to venial sins or we have venial sins, it, it, it makes us less able to participate fully. Sin darkens the intellect and weakens the will. No amount of venial sins can ever equal a mortal sin. That's true. But if we don't fight against sin in our life, venial sin we will find that when we are tempted to commit a moral sin, it's real easy to fall. Whereas if we're going to confession on a frequent and regular basis, even if you haven't committed, this is what we call devotional confession. It strengthens us against the temptation so that if we are tempted to commit a moral sin, we recognize it and we say no and we turn away and turn back to God right away. It's like, Lord, no, I don't want that. I want you, Lord. Amen. And so, yeah, we want to participate worthily in the celebration of the Eucharist. We, we sanctify God's name by our life and by our deeds. That's why we need to examine our life. What was it? The unexamined life is not, not living, worth living. living right. Who is it said that? 
You know, I don't know. You know, we have to find that one out. No, no, it was Socrates. Was it Socrates? Yes, Socrates. And that was Socrates. He wasn't even, he was a pagan, okay? But he knew, he came to know. And by the way, that's how we know you don't need faith to know that God exists. Socrates came to understand that there was one God, Mm -hmm. that he is good and true and beautiful and the source of all goodness, truth, and beauty. And that in order to know him, you have to live a virtuous life, an upright, virtuous life. And that when you do this, you'll come to know him. And so the unexamined life is not worth living because you're not living the truth. You're not adequating your mind to truth. That's right. You're allowing yourself to be pulled down into debauchery and degradation. And this was a pagan who recognized this. And so we want to examine our lives and make sure that our life is in union with God. Because God calls us as the one who called you is holy. Be you also holy in your behavior. 1 Peter 1 5. So God is calling us to live this union with him, right? Peter exclaims, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy and power, you are guarded through faith. In this you rejoice. Through now, though now, for a little while, you may have to suffer various trials. Though now you may have to suffer various trials. So that the genuineness of your faith may redound to the praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 1, 3 through 7. You see how important it is to know the scriptures? Mm-hmm. And they tell us more and more about God and how we are to live in him. So we want to glorify God by our obedience. We are, we're bought and, prayed, bought and paid for at a price. So we glorify God in our body, namely through chastity and everything we do. We maintain good conduct among the Gentiles so that they won't speak against God. We suffer in patience and so the, and we don't have to be ashamed to suffer. So we ask God to give us the strength to hallow his name and we ask him to hallow his name in us. And that's as far as we got in the Our Father Day. Our well, Father, well, hallowed be thy name. Well, next week we'll continue this because it's Lent and we need to be able to be... Uh, teaching ourselves better on our prayer life. And I can't think of a better prayer because Jesus said it's the perfect prayer. Amen. So next week, we'll start up with it again. I want to thank all of you listening. Tell your friends this is podcast so you could go to the uh, virginmostpowerfulradio.org website and listen and pass this show to your friends. We're going to continue next week. May God richly bless you and your family and full sheen ahead. <laughs> Amen. St. Faustina's Prayer for Priests O my Jesus, I beg thee on behalf of the whole Church, grant it love and the light of thy Spirit, and give power to the words of priests, so that hardened hearts might be brought to repentance and return to thee, O Lord. Lord, give us holy priests. Thou thyself maintain them in holiness. O divine and great High Priest, May the power of thy mercy accompany them everywhere and protect them from the devil's traps and snares, which are continually being set for the souls of priests. May the power of thy mercy, O Lord, shatter and bring to naught all that might tarnish the sanctity of priests. For thou canst do all things. Amen. Virgin Most Powerful, pray for us. Virgin Most Powerful Radio, sharing the gospel with clarity and charity.